want you to get a Bible and uh, really look at the Scriptures today. I believe this is going to touch your heart today in an incredible way. Once you've got a Bible, go to the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the School of Freedom. Uh, talking about that a few weeks ago, we talked about judgment, we talked about unforgiveness, we talked about these things called inner vows. Today I'm going to talk about one more. I thought I was going to get off this and God just keeps redirecting me. I believe this will help you if you allow the scriptures to deal with your heart today. This is on an area called iniquity. And iniquity means to bend, to twist, or to distort. It is a tendency toward a, a sin or a behavior. And so many times in your life, you, you may repeat these areas. It may become a pattern, an inclination, even a struggle. And I believe this, and, and Scripture will prove this out, that every one of us have certain uh, iniquities we have to deal with in our lives. Look with me here. Deuteronomy 5, and let's begin in verse number 6. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now God says, I brought you out of the house of bondage. Now I want you to note this passage, Deuteronomy 5, 6, because I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. He goes on to say, verse 7, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved, carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the birth. You shall not bow down to, before them to serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting or punishing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third, fourth generation of those who hate me. Now it's interesting here that the Scripture says that the iniquities will be punished to the children to the third and the fourth generation. To understand this, in the Greek, the word father actually means your ancestors. And so there are certain behaviors, certain sins that our founding fathers and mothers passed on to us. Now I want you to think about this. He said to the third and the fourth generation. So for my life, that would mean from my parents, from my grandparents on both sides, and from my great-grandparents on my both sides. So that impacts... A lot of people. There's been a lot of folk that have been entwined in your life and in mine. Now he says visiting or punishing the children. But he goes on to say in verse 10, But showing mercy to the thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So right here guys, the difference in the two verses is verse 10, it becomes a, a blessing. If you've had blessings in your life, you can probably thank a lot of your ancestors that they live for God, that they serve God. And so I want you to understand, even with them there was choices. There'll be choices with us. Now look back to Exodus chapter 20. This will read almost exactly the same. Genesis, then Exodus. This is the Ten Commandments. Not the Ten Suggestions but the Ten Commandments, and they're there to help guide our lives. Verse number 5. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, once again visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now right here is a warning that the, the spiritual impact of decisions made or actions taken they do or are passed down to, to future generations. 
And so I just want you to see today, there's a thing called spiritual genetics even, guys, that impact each one of us. And once again, he says in verse number 6, but showing mercy to the thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. John 14, 15, Jesus himself said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so what happens to every one of us when we live for God? There becomes a generational blessing. And so I don't want you to just look at this from the negative side today. There's a positive side for every one of us that when we've had relatives, fathers, mothers, that serve God, I'm going to tell you, those things were blessed. Those things were passed on to us. Go to the book of Psalm 119, and I want you to see one more here. And we're going to look at several scriptures here to get rolling this morning. The 119th Psalm. Look with me at verse 133. And this is a man named King David. As you're turning there, let me, let me tell you about these spiritual genetics that are handed down. There was a man at the time of his birth was immediately adopted. And upon his adoption, his mother and father now never, never, never smoked any form of cigarettes at all. Never. This young man, when he becomes 16 and 17, he starts having an inclination to smoke cigarettes. He goes to his father and says to him, he says, I don't know what's going on, but he said, I've had a desire to start smoking cigarettes. Now, once again, I'm talking about behaviors. So ultimately, they look and think, man, where does this come from? They go back and they search his, his biological mother and father. His biological mother and father, they got married and pregnant at a young age, and they decided we can't give him the, this life, a good life, so we want to give him up for adoption. The whole time that she's pregnant, the father and the mother both were two-pack-a-day cigarette smokers. Now, this is just how things begin to transpire to every one of us. Look at what David says in Psalm 119, verse 133. Direct my steps by your word. Direct my steps by your word. Now, it's very important, guys, that we get a hold of the word of God. That becomes the blueprint for our life. The commandments of God were not designed to put us in bondage. They're designed to help us live a life of freedom. So he says, direct my steps by your word. Now look what he goes on. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. Evidently, there was some iniquity even in King David's life. The word dominion there means rule or power. And so when you start studying sin, all sin is powerful. But when you start de dealing with these generational sins, they get stronger. And they get stronger. And they get stronger. Why? Because they've been around for a long time. Now, how many of us, we hear about the word hereditary, and most of the time, we use that to describe our looks. Now, maybe this will help you a little bit with that. How many of you have ever heard someone say about you, you look like your father? You look like your mother? You look like your grandfather? Probably every one of us have had that said about us at one time or another, but it even goes farther than that. How many of you have ever heard someone say, you act like your mother? You act like your grandfather? You... And so you begin to say, listen guys, it's not just hereditary as far as our looks, it's also in our behaviors. I had that in my own life, guys. 
I was told early, early in life that you look like your grandfather. I really never remember my grandfather. He died of alcohol when I was five. They said over and over, and so I've seen pictures of him, and there was a lot of resemblance. But when I got into my teenage years, many begin to say, you act like your grandfather. Now, I begin to look back at the characteristics of my grandfather, and I had those same characteristics. Alcohol. As a teenager. Think about this scripture, guys. Flee youthful lusts. Think about how much of the junk in our life comes after us as teenagers. Now, here's a warning for you teenagers right now. If you begin to have inclinations about doing things, bad behaviors or even sin, I would begin to stand against those in the name of Jesus. The reason I say that, because if you don't, the day's going to come where you're going to have to. And so it's a good thing. Now, let me give you one more illustration of this. There was a man I was around recently, a man who loves God, born again, served God for many years of his life. And we begin to talk about these things we're talking about these last few weeks. He said to me that periodically in his life, he would have the most bizarre dreams. He said, I mean crazy, crazy dreams. I said, like what? Tell me. Now, this is a man who loves Jesus with all his heart. He said, periodically, I'd have this dream where I'd go up to a house of people I didn't know or did know, ring the doorbell, and when they would answer the door, if it was a woman, I would force myself in and rape this woman. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know where that's come from. I didn't know why those thoughts. And he said, I hated that thought. I hated that dream. This guy goes back in life. He never knew his biological father. He was adopted at birth. So he does some research on his biological father. When he finds out at this time in his life, his biological father's in prison. You know what for? Rape of women. Over and over, I begin to see what begins to happen with these iniquities. Now, as I talked about this in the first service, there was a woman in our first service. Listen, and, and this, this, will, this shouldn't affect you any if you're adopted, but I'm going to use this again. This woman in our church was adopted at birth. All through her teenage years, she has thoughts of suicide. Actually, she attempts on several occasions to commit suicide. At the age of 18, she meets her biological mom. She looks like her biological mom. She talks like her biological mom. She acts like her biological mom. You know what she finds out about her biological mom? Her biological mother had tried to commit suicide over and over and over in her life. This is what this is dealing with. Now, to show you a little further, look back in the New Testament at 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. And, and as we're turning there, listen, guys. There's, there's several questions we can ask ourselves, the what's and the how's. But in my life right now, I get over more and more to the why's. The why's. Why are we here today? I believe the reason we're here today is to see people get born again. If we're not seeing people get born again, guys, we're missing the why. Number two is to see people healed. 
to be see people set free, to see people delivered, to see people walk in life with freedom. Now, those are areas in my life that I believe is fruit. When I see these things happening within our church, man, I tell you, I believe we're connecting people to the kingdom of God. And so this is not to speak condemnation or judgment. This is to help us get set free. Pastor, have you ever dealt with generational iniquities in your life? Absolutely. Two of them, big ones. Alcohol, and the second one as a teenager. And both of these came into my life as teenagers. A thing called sexual immorality. That's next week. Don't miss it, guys. I'm going to tell you. And when the Lord began to deal with me, heart, my heart on that, I was like, no, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to bring that up. But you know what the Lord said? At times, your testimonies become the examples to other people. So that's next week. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The new, or the King James says for lawlessness, it says iniquity. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. Now think about it. A mystery is something that's, that's been hidden and is now revealed. But think about this as a mystery. How many times in our life we look at things and we think, this is a mystery. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know how this is happening. Well, he says this right here. The mystery of lawlessness is at work. It's stuff that's been handed down to each one of us. Now, we can keep looking at scriptures and seeing this referenced in the Bible, but what do we do about it? I'm glad you asked. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This is where we're going to head today to let this soak in you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 8. As you're turning there, listen real good to this. There's a man whose daughter began to date a young man. And they dated and they dated and they're in their early 20s. True story. I know this man personally. He said they begin to get tight. Begin to fall in love. The father of this girl, like any one of us in here, as a father... When your daughter starts falling in love and you realize they may marriage this dude, it's not a good thought. It wasn't a good thought for my father-in-law with me. It's just the things, the reality of life. One of the, the, the most blessed days and the hardest days of my own life was to give my own daughter away. I literally cried for three days leading up to that. It was rugged. It was tough. I remember when they said, who gives us bride and marriage? I sat there and looked. I wouldn't answer. And Amanda elbows me and says, Daddy, that's your cue. And I scanned the auditorium and my son was singing and playing the guitar and I looked at him and he looked at me like, come on, Dad, get a grip. And I look back at Shelly and, and everybody's looking and the, the minister's looking at me and Amanda's elbowing me, Daddy, Daddy. And I thought, I really don't know that I want to do this. Well, in this situation, this is what's happened in this guy's life. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out everything I can about this young man. So his young man doesn't live in the same town. But this man finds out where the young man says he goes to church. So he calls this pastor and says, listen, you don't know me, but you got a, a guy in your church named Jimmy Jack the Maniac. That wasn't his real name. But he's wanting to marry my daughter. He said, can you tell me everything about him? The pastor said, you know what, give me a day or two and I'm going to find out everything I can for you. So he calls him back and he says, listen, this young man is born again. 
He loves Jesus with all his heart. He serves in several ministries in our church. Everywhere he serves, they all say he's tremendous. He has a passion for God. He's a giver. He's a great young man. The father said, thank you, that's all I need to know. The pastor said, no, I'm going to help you a little bit. That isn't all you need to know. He said, what do you mean? He said, can I give you some advice? He said, absolutely. He said, if I was you, I would go back and I would find out all the generational iniquities this young man has. And the man said, why is that? And he said, not that they don't get married, but your daughter and, and her future husband they go into this knowing that this generational curse has been in my family bloodline. Whether it's divorce, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's anger, whether it's all that. So guess what? You can begin to pray against it. You can begin to stand against it. Man, when I heard that story, I thought, man, that pastor, that was a sharp man to say that. To understand that. Now, once again, I didn't say to say, I'm not marrying him because of that. But every one of us, guys, we have opportunities to follow the, the, the iniquity or to follow the blessing. John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. What's the truth? The Word of God. That's why King David said in Psalm 119, 133, Lord, direct my steps by your Word. Now, I want to highlight this right here, guys. This is the old famous, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm tell you, guys, until I begin to know the Word and do the Word, it won't set me free. Now, there's a key word in there in verse 32, and it's the word and. And. You know what the word and there means? There's something before this, and so i got to go back and really break down verse 31. Now look at this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, the first thing I want you to see today, the road to freedom through Lord Jesus, is you got to be born again. What does that mean? you got to give Jesus your heart. And it said, those Jews who believed Him, now, here's the number one question for each one of us. Is it possible for someone that's born again to be held in bondage or iniquity? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does that mean you're not going to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. It just says there's an iniquity that is in your bloodline that's come from somewhere. How do you know that? Well, look at verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, if you didn't have any bondage in your life, you wouldn't need to be set free. And so right here, Jesus is telling them, listen guys, there's a way that you can be set free. Okay, you see that? Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Now, when I read this, this is almost hysterical to me. Because remember in Deuteronomy 5, 6, it specifically said, I brought you out of the bondages of Egypt. So when you study the Jewish people, they had been in bondage their whole life. In reality, right here when this is written, they were in bondage to the Romans. So this is step two. 
I got to admit I have a bondage. Until I come to the point in my life where I can admit it, it does no good. See, I've been in situations, even in my own life, when I was bound up by alcohol, I didn't want to admit it. I didn't have a problem. I've had people come into my office, begin to share things with them, and I look and say, you have a bondage. Not judgmental or critical. And you know what most people say? I'm not in bondage. I got a weakness. Well, how long have you had this weakness? As long as I can remember. So you know what that tells me? You're in bondage. It's very important that you can admit it. That you can stand before God and say, Okay, Father God, i got a problem with this thing called alcohol. Whatever it is. Now to make this real clear, look what Jesus said in verse 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits or practices sin is a slave of sin. And so when there's continuous sin in an area, a pattern in a, of sin in an area, guess what? There's probably a root to it. Keep reading with me, verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the son makes you free. Now, I believe this with all my heart. The only true freedom is through Jesus. Everything else is just a band-aid. But the way to be set free is i got to start looking to Jesus and i got to start letting the Word. The only difficulty for me and you as human beings is to admit it. i got a problem. I believe, like I said earlier, every one of us have these generational iniquities that try to come after us. Now, if you look back at verse 32, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a difference between knowing the truth and meeting the truth. When I get born again, I meet Jesus. I get introduced to Jesus. But to get set free, I got to know him. I got to know him. You know how you get to know somebody? For me to get to know Jesse, I got to hang out with Jesse. I got to spend time with Jesse. That's the same with Jesus. To know Jesus, man, you got to fellowship with him. You got to hang out with him. You got to take time to get into his presence. Now, once again, guys, the why we're here today is ultimately to see people get saved, to see people get healed, to people get set free, to get delivered. And so that's what I want you to see, to walk in freedom. How do I ultimately walk in freedom? Well, I got a couple points for you. Number one, you got to recognize the iniquity. How do I recognize iniquity? Does it reflect the character of God or not? If you've got something in your life and you say, man, that's not the character of God, then call it what it is. If you battle anger, call it anger. i got iniquity of anger in me. I need help. I need freedom in this area. Number two, this is big, that you forgive people in your family. Whether it's mother, father, grandfather, great-grandmother. And this is the conclusion I came to. The same thing you were battling, they probably battled also. And the only difference is in Hosea 4 and 6, it said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You know what? Many times people don't ever get set free. You know why? They don't know how to get set free. They don't know what the Word of God says. And I believe that a lot of times with our, our families in previous history. 
If they weren't born again, guys, if they didn't know Jesus, they walked in these generational iniquities. And so the only thing I can do is forgive them. Number three, and really, really, really to understand this one, go with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 26. Genesis, then Leviticus. And as you're turning there, it's to repent. It's to confess our sin. The New Testament reference for that would be 1 John 1, 9. It says that if you confess your sins, He, Father God, is faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. Now, this is where I want you to see this. Right here in this passage, look real, real close at the wording. Le- uh, Leviticus 26, verse 39. And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity in their enemies' lands. Verse 39, the second part. Also in their fathers' or their ancestors' iniquities, which are with them, they shall waste away. Now I want you to understand what he just said. The fathers' or the ancestors' iniquities that are with them. Do you know what that tells me? They're with us. They're with us. They've been handed down. Just as your great-grandfather's blue eyes may have gotten into you, same as the generational iniquity of sin or patterns in our life. So what do I do with it? Verse 41. Or verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me or to God, that they also have walked contrary to me. Now I want you to get what he said right there. Number one, I'm to confess my iniquity. The things that I have chosen to do, but he didn't just stop there. He said, and also the iniquity of the Father, of the ancestors. I believe it's very important, guys, that we confess these. Why? And see, this is the question that arises many times. Why do I have to confess the sin of my ancestors? I didn't do it. That's precise the point. These are sins that have never been confessed. They've never been repented of. And until they're confessed or repented of, how can they be forgiven? And so this becomes big in our lives. The fourth one, guys, is I've got to learn to pray. Ephesians 6.10 said, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Now the reference I want to give you to today as far as prayer is Matthew 16, 19. And Jesus himself said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. You know what the keys represent? I give you the authority of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now that word bind means that you declare it unlawful. That it's not proper. How would I do that? Well... I would begin to say this. In the name of Jesus, I bind you up, you generational iniquity of alcohol. I bind you up in the name of Jesus, you generational iniquity of anger. Whatever it is that you can admit in your life. Now what happens with this is I believe when we start using the authority of the name of Jesus in that area, we ultimately cut that umbilical cord of the sin in our life. But we don't stop there. He said, and whatever you loose. What does loose mean? To declare proper. 
So, man, I'm going to tell you, guys, this is big. I begin to lose Revelations 12, 19. I overcome by the blood of Jesus. I begin to lose that. How do I do that, Pastor? I say in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, right now, that your blood has covered me, that your blood has washed me from any of this right now. And so you know what you've now established? A generational legacy of blessing instead of sin. Now, that's the good news. You want to hear the bad news? Does it work the first time you pray it? I pray that it does for you. But probably not. Why do I say that? Because if you're dealing with the generational iniquity in your bloodline, that dude's been around a long time. If great-grandpa and great-great-grandpa did this, then it's probably been around for generation after generation after generation. Now, I want you to get something today. Once again, in my own life, you know who I'm going to impact? Not only me, my children, my my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. The choices I make are ultimately going to cover them. I don't know about you, but I don't want my great-grandkids to look at me one day and say, you dirty old rat. I want my grandkids to say, that dude was a man of prayer. That dude was a man who, who, who served God with all his heart. Now, I can honestly say this today. It's a passion for me to pray. It's easy for me to pray. And I'm not saying, look at me how great I am. I, I can pray hours a day, guys. I can just get in the flow and just pray and pray and not even think about it. You know where that generational blessing comes from? My mother. I'm going to tell you, the greatest prayer warrior I know is my mother. I'm going to tell you right now, if she's ever in here and you tell her something, you better get ready. Because you may not leave the rest of the afternoon. She may grab your hands and pray. I remember at the, the marriage retreat, Jackie Campbell was there. And he started telling my mom about all these issues in his life. And I got real tickled because I thought, dude, you're going to be here the rest of the day. That little five-foot woman, she's going to get you in a Holy Ghost headlock. And I thought... You don't know what you just got into. See, that's a generational blessing. But see, each one of us, guys, we've had stuff handed down. Every one of us in this room have had to battle some inclinations in our life. It's okay. This is why we're preaching on this. Not to condemn, but to set people free. Now listen, guys, in my own life, and I want to share this, and then we're going to move forward here. I, I had the generational iniquity of alcohol. I remember clearly at the age of 12, I began to drink. By the time I'm 16, guys, I'm addicted to the stuff. But you know what? I begin to understand the Word of God. When I got born again, I begin to look at the Word of God. Jesus said, and you'll know the truth, the Word of God. And that Word will set you free. And so we begin, and who do you say we? That's me and Shelly. I'm going to tell you, I thank God I had a wife that didn't punt on me. It would have been easy for her to say, I'm trading him in on a newer model. Thank God she didn't. And so I begin to live Colossians 1.13. He's delivered me out of the power of darkness. Darkness in my life was out. Guys, it dominated me. Did you get set free immediately, Pastor? No, I didn't. But I kept speaking the word. And I kept speaking the word. In Isaiah 55, it says, The word of God shall not return void. And that word was a little, little green bean seed on the inside of this guy. And the more I spoke the word and the more I believed, that green bean seed started living and moving and acting in my life. And before long, 
Ooh, there were changes. You're different. You're not the same person we used to know. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And this is a man who understands generational iniquity because I walked in him. But this is also a man who understands the blessing of Jesus setting people free. Ooh, he's still the freedom maker. He's still the one. Stand up with me today. And I believe you're beginning to get a little drift of why I'm speaking on this stuff. I believe God wants us free. If you've battled being ju- judgmental, look to Jesus. Get that tape from a couple of weeks ago. If you've battled unforgiveness, guys, it'll keep you in bondage. If you've had those inner vows where you've said, I'll never be like my mother. I'm going to tell you guys, those are bondages that will embed in your heart, even like generational iniquities. Now, I encourage you, don't miss next week. I'm going to tell you guys, it, it has done some things in me in the last month. In the last month, the Lord has dealt with me in some areas. It's not a thrill of mine to get to share them, but once again, you'll see the reality of a pastor that's going to say, before I knew Jesus, I was a mess. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus still takes messes and makes miracles. That's you. Bow your head with me today.